All right. Good. Good morning, everybody. Um, so today we're in the the sixth week of our series on adoption, on what it means that we're sons and daughters of God. And I know when I started this series, I said it was going to be six weeks, but I want you to know that I'm a big fat liar. It's actually going to be seven weeks because uh, there's something else that, that came up that we wanted to tack on at the end. And so, so next week there'll be a bonus episode uh, where we we talk about. Uh, the, the parable of the two sons in Luke 15, and then we're going to start our series on the minor prophets. And so to today, our, our focus is we're, we're talking about this, this inheritance we have because we're part of the family of God. And so to start, we're going to go back to the passage that we started this series in, in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. So it's going to show up on the slides behind me, um, and you can follow along with me in your Bibles. Again, that's Galatians 4, and I'm going to read verses 4 through 7. Paul says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So we've been, we've been talking about this passage a lot as we've been moving through this series. God sent Jesus. He sent him at exactly the, the right moment in history. He sent him in exactly the right way. He was born of a woman. He was born under the law so that he could identify with and be the substitute of those of us who were under the law. So he could redeem us, Paul says, out from under the law. He, he bought us out of our slavery to the law. He, he freed us from our tyranny to sin and death and Satan. And he didn't just do that and then leave us alone. He did that so that we would be adopted as sons and daughters of God. And because we're part of God's family, Paul tells us that God gives us his, his spirit, his spirit who helps kind of apply the realities of our, our, our adoption. And in addition to that, verse 7, uh, since we're no longer a slave, but we're a son or a daughter, then we're an heir through God. So we, we are his heir. There's, there's some sort of family inheritance. And so we want to learn more about what it means that we are, we are co-heirs with Christ. And so we're going to go to a couple passages this morning where we're going to learn more about this inheritance we have in Jesus. So the, the first passage that we're going to go to that's going to tell us more about what Paul is talking about in Galatians 4 is Romans 8, 14 through 17. We've already talked about this passage some, but we haven't focused on the inheritance side of things. So Romans 8, 14 through 17. Paul says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So, so again, Paul here in, in Romans 8, he's reminding us of our adoption. He's reminding us that God has given us his spirit that, that reinforces the reality of our adoption. And because we're his children, we're, we're heirs. We're, we're heirs of God and, and co-heirs with Christ. So we share in his, Jesus's, inheritance. But then he says something that, that might, might surprise us a little bit. Look at, look at verse 17 again. It says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So the first thing 
that we learn about, about our inheritance is that it is conditional. There's something that we have to do to get it. Suffering with Christ is what we must do to share in his inheritance. Now, now that, should, that should raise some questions for us, right? Because aren't we saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone? But, but now is Paul saying that in order to, to get this salvation, we have to have faith and, and do something else. We have to suffer too. Doesn't that mean that we're earning our salvation? Recently, if you've talked to Sean Freeman at all, he's shared this quote with you from Dallas Willard. It says, the gospel isn't opposed to effort, but to earning. Right? It, the, the, following Jesus doesn't mean that we don't have to do anything. Right? We're, we're called to, to grow in holiness. We're, we're called to live in obedience. We're, we're called to go and make disciples. So just because it's conditional doesn't mean we earn it. For example... How many of you got a stimulus check during COVID? It's okay. You can, you can admit it. It's all right. Did you earn that? We, we didn't. We didn't earn it. Uh, but there were conditions, right? In order to get one, you had to, to make under a certain amount of money. Uh, there were other qualifications. There, there were conditions, even though it, it wasn't earned by us. And so they can be conditional and us not earning. So let's look at the condition itself. He says, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so we could, we could rephrase it like this to make it a little simpler. We must suffer with him in order to be glorified with him. If we want to be glorified with Jesus, then we must suffer with him. But there's something vitally important for us to see here. The, the conditional part of this statement is not whether or not we will suffer, right? If you live life in this world that has been broken and corrupted by sin, you are going to suffer, right? It's, it's inevitable. At some point, you're going to face grief, sorrow, pain, suffering of, of some kind. And maybe right now, you feel bulletproof and untouchable. Good for you. Give it a minute. Like none of us will make it through this life untouched by suffering. So the conditional part of this is not whether or not we're going to suffer. The conditional part is whether or not we're going to suffer with Jesus. That's what what we're choosing between. We don't get to choose. It's like, no, I'll pass on the suffering. We get to choose whether or not we'll do it with Jesus. The choice is between us being united with him and us not being united with him. And, and, and really, with that in mind, the condition makes perfect sense, right? If, if we want to do life on our own terms, in our own way, apart from Jesus, then of course we're not going to share in his inheritance. Because we're not, we're not with him, we're, we're not in him, we're not trusting in him, we're trying to do life on our own outside of him. Right? All the time I tell my kids that, if they want to enjoy all the benefits and privileges of being a member of the family, things like food and a place to live and an internet connection and video games, if they want to benefit from all of those things, like they come with some responsibilities that they bear as members of the family. Right? We, we can't just get the good stuff. Right? Sure, like we'll, we'll take glorification. That, that sounds amazing. 
but I'm going to pass on the suffering. Union with Jesus is not like a light switch that we can flip on and off. We're either in him or we're not. And if we're in him, then that means we get justification and adoption and sanctification and glorification and also suffering with him. The good comes with the bad. Ray Ortland says that God's final category for you is not your goodness versus your badness, but your union with Christ versus your distance with Christ. Right? That's what affects whether or not we share in this inheritance. And so in order to share in the inheritance, Paul says, we must suffer with him. Because we're united with Christ. If we're in him, we're going to suffer with him. Let's go to 1 Peter to find out more. So the first thing we find out is that it's conditional, but it's conditional upon our union with Jesus. If we're united with him, we're going to suffer with him. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So Peter here tells us four things about, about this inheritance. It's, it's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, and it's kept in heaven for us. So the first thing, it's, it's imperishable. Our inheritance, it's not going to decay or, or rot or, or break down. You know, like we've all had that experience. Maybe, maybe some of us are having this experience right now to where you've, you've forgotten about food in the back of the fridge. Or usually it's in kind of like one of the corners of the produce drawer, you know, where, where food changes all manner of colors and textures and, and smells. And it just kind of like smushes down. Right? Things break down in this world. Right? Because of sin, death and decay and corruption entered into God's creation. But Peter here is telling us that, that it's not going to affect our inheritance. Our inheritance is, is imperishable. It's also undefiled. This is the same word that's used in, in Hebrews chapter 7 to talk about Jesus' kind of perfect sinlessness. He is undefiled. And Peter here is telling us that, that our inheritance is, is similar. Right? It's going to be unstained by sin, which is, is something that's, that's kind of out, outside of our ability to grasp. But our inheritance will be pure. It'll be free from sin's defiling. It's also unfading. It's going to, it's going to last forever. It's never going to wear out. It's never going to, going to stop being what it is. The, the passage of time is going to have no effect on our inheritance. It's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, and number four, it's kept in heaven for us. The word kept here is, is passive. What that means is that we aren't the ones that are keeping it. It's being, it's being kept for us. Someone else is doing the work. Someone else is doing the keeping. Obviously, the answer is that God is the one who's, who's keeping it in heaven for us. Right? And that's, that's, that's good news for us. That's why these things can be true of it. One of the things that I really love in life is dark humor. I think that's one of the benefits of believing in God's sovereignty is that you know that like joking about something doesn't make it come true. So... I can say 
that I, I really hope that my dad doesn't die when the market is down. <laughs> and know that like making that joke doesn't mean that like he's going to die. Obviously, if he dies, we're going to have to talk about that next time. <laughs> but right, where the market's at doesn't affect our inheritance. Because God is in control of it. Obviously, God is in control of the markets too, even when they're crazy. But we don't have to worry about, about the condition of what God has waiting for us. Because he is the one who is keeping it. He is the one who is in control of it. He is the one who is sovereign over all things. It can be uh, imperishable and undefiled because that's who he is. It doesn't fade because he never changes. Because there's no shadow of variation with him. He's going to keep it how it is. And the good news gets better. Right? It, it's good news that our inheritance isn't primarily dependent upon us but him. But it gets better. Look at verse 5. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So it's, it's not just our inheritance that's being kept by God. We are being kept by God too. We're being guarded through faith by God's power. So he's, he's not just keeping our inheritance. He's going to keep us too. And once again, it's clear that our salvation is through faith. Right? It's not about us earning it. It's not about us taking action to make things happen. God has the one that has taken action. It's us having faith in what he's done for us. And I want to, I want to stop and, and, and stress something really important here. I think sometimes when, when we talk about faith and we talk about belief in the gospel, it's easy for us to walk away thinking that that's something we need to do, right? I need to, I need to muster up more faith. I need to believe more. I need, I need to, you know, try harder to trust more. But that's not how faith works. Now, I'm not saying that we don't want to grow in our faith. But the good news of the gospel is that what matters about our faith is not how, how, how big it is or, or how strong it is or how great we can make it. What matters about our faith is whether or not it's in Jesus. And, and, and that's it, right? Anyone, anyone with, with any amount of faith the, the worst person, the best person, the most faith, faith, the least faith. Any person with any amount of faith in Jesus is the right kind of faith. And so don't think like, oh, I need to just believe more. Just trust in Jesus with, with whatever you've got. And if you do that, Peter says, you are being guarded by God's power. And he is going to keep you in his salvation. That's what we're called to do. So don't, don't hear me saying try harder to trust more. Hear me saying believe in Jesus. It's, it's through our faith in him that we're being guarded. And it's because of who he is and what he's done that our inheritance is it's kept in heaven for us. Because God is the one that's doing the guarding, because he is the one doing the keeping, we can have complete confidence 
that our inheritance will be what he says it will be. It, it will be imperishable. It will be undefiled. It is unfading because God is, is doing it for those who have even the most feeble faith in him. And so we've spent a lot of time talking about the inheritance, but, but we haven't really talked about what it is, right? Like, what, what are we going to get? Right, if, if there's like a, a will reading, what's on the list? Well, at the end of Galatians 3, Paul says that, that we are heirs according to the promise. And what he's referring to there is, the, is God's promise to Abraham. And then in 2 Corinthians 1.20, he says that all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. And so the answer is, pretty much everything's on the list. Right? Everything that God has promised to his people in his word is our inheritance. We inherit it with Jesus. Because all of God's promises find their yes in him. We are heirs according to the promise. So everything that God has promised his people is what we inherit. And what that means is that this world that is, is shattered and corrupted by sin, it's, it's passing away. It's going away. It's going to be remade and renewed and replaced with the new heavens and the new earth. A world that is imperishable, that is untouched by death, a world that's undefiled, that's unstained by sin, a world that's unfading, that's never going away. It's a world where, where everything broken is made whole and everything sad comes untrue. We're going to be in God's place as God's people living under God's rule. That's what our inheritance is. That's, that's what we get to live in. And everything is always going to be the way it was meant to be. And because it's unfading, it's never going to be any different. We, we won't be able to break it again. And so when we suffer now, we suffer with, with, with that in mind. And when we started this series, I, I gave the illustration of if, you know, we found out we had this like long lost uncle who was, who was loaded. And we know that we, we stood to inherit all that money. It, it, it would change our lives now. Because as, as we went through life, you know, like if this week our, our car broke down, we would be like, man, that, that's rough. I wasn't planning on that expense. But I know uncle, I can't remember his name, is going to die and he's going to give me that money. And so like I don't need to stress as much right now. Right? It, would, it would affect our circumstances in some key ways. And the reality is that our inheritance in Christ should be no different. The reality is, is that it should affect us even more because we know that it is a sure thing. And so we suffer with, with Jesus in the knowledge that, that, that one day all suffering, not just my suffering, not just your suffering, but all suffering is going to end once and for all. We suffer knowing that we have something better coming to us in the future. We suffer knowing that, that even in the midst of our suffering, we're being guarded by God's power through faith so that even the suffering isn't going to take it away from us. We're being guarded for an inheritance that's being kept for us. 
Again, it's not dependent upon us. It's not dependent upon our circumstances, on what happens in the world. God is keeping it for us. And because he's keeping it for us, we can have confidence. We can know for sure that it is imperishable. It will be undefiled. It's never going to fade away. That's what our inheritance in Jesus is. That's what it means when Paul says that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Because he has redeemed us, because he has adopted us into his family, that's what our inheritance is. So as we go out from this place this week, as, you know, the reality of life in this world hits you, you know, kids fighting with each other on the way home. You know, whatever you find happening in your house this afternoon, whatever goes on at work this week, remember what God has done for you. Remember that he is, is, is guarding you through faith. One of the best things about, about that verse is that that phrase is, is a present tense verb. What that means is that it's, it's a continual process. It's not, it's not a one-time thing. It's not if God, like, you know, you, you, you put your faith in him, and he's like, all right, you're guarded, check, he's done with you. But I mean, he's, he is tangibly present in your life, shaping you and your circumstances for your good and his glory. He is actively involved in us and in our lives as we go through life in this world. He is guarding us through faith, and he's keeping our inheritance for us. So remember that this week as you go about trusting in Jesus in the midst of the brokenness of this world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus to redeem us to buy us out of, out of our slavery to sin and death and Satan and, and to bring us, to, to adopt us into your family as your sons and daughters. And that you've given us a share in your inheritance. That we're heirs according to the promise with Jesus. Pray that that wouldn't just be some abstract, far-off thought for us. But that by your Spirit, you would, you would help us to cling to your promises with, with, with new faith, with new joy. Knowing that you are guarding us and keeping that inheritance for us. And that our faith is what you ask for in return. Jesus, help us to fight unbelief. And, and to put even, even the weakest of our faith in you. We thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf, for your 
your righteous life in our place. For allowing us to be united with you. Not just in your, your, your resurrected life, but also in the midst of suffering. It's in your name we pray. Amen.